Welcome! This is Ginevra with Today I Learned. I'm a trainee lawyer, international journalist and part-time actress specializing in international law and classical theater. I really would like to thank everybody who listened to the podcast and supported it because that really, really made me happy, first of all, but also it's helpful. It's really, really helpful. This podcast is... Um, a great, fantastic opportunity for me to merge my work as an actress and an international journalist, also ultimately as an aspiring lawyer, uh, to really talk about stuff that I care about. But of course, you know, it's the first time I never did a podcast before, so your feedback, guys, it's amazing. So please, please keep giving me feedback and, uh, you know, telling me your opinion about uh, the topics that we are listing or really anything also keep me posted with what you're learning and noticing every day uh, that would be really great for me and also will help this podcast grow and so yeah i'm waiting to hear your voice um there is a website coming out shortly but in the meantime you can check our instagram page and follow us please make sure but enough me talking. Today I want to introduce a very special guest. His name is Gianluigi Calvani. <laughs> Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course Gianluigi. Gianluigi is first of all a really really good friend of mine and I really wanted to have him on the podcast today. But hey. actually above all Gianluigi is a professional actor, a writer and when it comes to having discussions with me. He's a great philosopher, uh, but I'm not just joking. Like, Gianluigi has read a lot of philosophy and a lot of literature that we often talk about, so I really wanted to have him on the podcast today to share a little bit of his experience. We trained together at the Stellar Studio of Acting in New York, which was a very interesting and formative time. I, I bet I'm speaking for the both of us, right, Gianluigi? Absolutely, yeah. Today we're going to talk about the actor's vow. First of all, we will get to know Gianluigi a little bit, then we will explore his work as an actor, to then move, tiptoeing, towards a discussion about life, some life principles and philosophies that inspired him, and ultimately we're gonna, we're gonna claim that the work of an actor <laughs> has some correspondences with basic principle of life that will lead to live better. So please, listen to us. Um, first thing that I would like to ask, Gianluigi, might seem really obvious to you, but maybe not for our, for our audience. You're an Italian actor. Do you want to talk about why you decided to move to New York and why you wanted to become an actor in the first place? Yeah, well, there, there's uh, different layers of analysis, let's say, to that. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in retrospect, I think that certain points of view that I had on acting and my choices, of course, changed, you know, with time. But, uh, well, New York, I mean, I think for the New York part of the question, it's as simple as that. New York was just, to me, to my view, the uh, best place to be if I wanted to train as an actor. And since I had the luck to... Uh, be able to afford that life in New York. Uh, thanks to my parents, I was like, you know, why not give it a shot? Of course, it wasn't that simple. You know, I had to fight for years to actually get them to grant me that, you know, wow. that passage. But um, yeah, eventually it worked out and it was 
it was an amazing experience, probably one of the, the top experiences of our lives. I, I don't know if I can speak for you, you too. But... No, no, you can definitely speak for me too, especially on this matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was some of the on most the same page, yeah. yeah extraordinary experiences of my entire life, maybe the most formative. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, to go to the second part of your question, I think the reason why I started acting or I became interested in acting, I think that too has to be seen from the perspective of my 28 years old self and not from the person who actually, when when I was 16, that person, when he started off, you know. Actually, how, it, how is that different? I mean, how did the training change you in a way? Well, I think the way I approached it when I knew nothing about acting was purely aesthetic in a way. You know, it's like uh, there's all this appeal of stardom and being, in, you know, on a screen with an audience kind of revering you and all that. That, that was kind of, you know, uh, I suppose it was an expression of my manias of grandeur and all that stuff but, uh, but that changed of course with time especially since i started training because one of the first things as you remember that happened to us when we got there uh, was that they kind of our teachers kind of broke us down you know oh yeah our <laughs> egos you know they kind of were depleted after just one week of training so and, and that was i mean with hindsight that's a good thing you know, because acting is not about, let's say, the skin of things or things, how you perceive them exteriorly, superficially at all. Actually, it's quite the opposite. So, uh, yeah, I mean, with the training, my reasons to act shifted from, some, from let's say, the pursuit of admiration and recognition mm -hmm. to actually the pursuit of truth, whatever that means to you individually, but uh, surely that became the, the main objective to me. Well, on that, um, there is this leitmotiv in a, in a way. Um, many people, when they get to know that I'm an actress, or I was an actress, or I'm doing work as an actress, whatever, they tell me, oh, you're an actress, so, so you can lie very well. So I had this discussion with, this discussion with some ex-boyfriends sometimes. They would tell me that I'm a liar. I mean, you're a good liar because you're an well, actress. Well, they were biased, probably, yeah, they, they, they were biased. Um, do you, what do you think about this, this thing, that actors are good liars? Because I, I found it not true at all. Mm. No, as I said before, I think... Yeah, I think it's total crap. It's not, a, but you know, it's it's a common mistake that people. This kind of judgment that people impress on the acting or world, you know, as like as if it's something that is kind of aesthetical or something that is confined to perception. You know, how you're perceived from it. You know, it's, it's not about it's not about the shell of things, the skin of things. It's actually way deeper than that. I think now with the experience that I gained from training as an actor and had some, you know, professional experience, I think um that when you act, it's as if you decide to be true, you know? It's like you make the conscious decision of being true. True to what? True to first of all to yourself. And I think more importantly, it's just your aim in life, like your ideal becomes, you know, the, the, 
kind of alignment with uh, this measurement that we, we, we call truth. We don't know exactly what it is. I, I mean, some people call it God, God, some people call it consciousness, some people call it reality, you know, as a, as a structure by itself. But I, I think that's what I mean when I say that I want to act, you know, it's like I am actually putting myself in the position of pursuing truth beyond myself, you know. Well, I remember you and I once talked on the phone and we were saying that the most truthful and honest moments in our lives were the ones on stage. But, you know, I'm wondering, how so? I mean, they are indeed the words of someone else. I mean, someone else has written those words or has spoken those words before. So how, how are they the, the most honest moments uh, in your life? Yeah, well... At this point, I think I'm going to throw in, you know, my advisors of a lifetime, <laughs> specifically Jung right now. Um, Hola, you know, Jung. I, yeah, I, I started reading this book that was kind of published recently um, by Jung, and it's called The Red Book. And one of the first topics that he deals with is what he calls the spirit of the time and the spirit of the depths. And he makes this distinction between this um, everlasting, eternal self that lies within us and the, um, what I referred to as before as the shell, what is confined and framed to this specific moment in time and space. You know, uh, me personally, the Gianluigi of 2020 on the 16th of November, you know, this is the, the spirit of the time. But what I discovered with acting is that actually we have these kind of archetypes that that expand beyond the framing of this specific moment and what we identify as right now. And that kind of eternal essence and quality, that's that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm trying to tap into when I'm acting. And although the lines that you deliver are by an author, first of all. I think we have to understand also that when an author, I mean, it depends on the author, of course, but usually when an author writes down dialogue, it's the distillation of the best of them. Sure, so sure. I, I think uh, because of that, it resonates with everybody, regardless of whether those words are actually been, you know, devised, crafted and put on paper by you or someone else. But when it's the distillation of the, best truth of a person it resonates with everybody else yeah. it's as if you know when you read a poem i mean it's as if it kind of belongs to you too when it's a really good poem so i think the same thing with dialogue you know it's like it's universal i mean when you read shakespeare mm -hmm. and read you know the most banal uh soliloquy of all times like to be or not to be well it's, it's not, not banal, banal at all <laughs> it's not banal at all but you know it's like how it's perceived like this kind of you know, manifesto of Shakespeare, to be or not to be, you know, it's as if sure. it got cheapened by the repetition, but no, actually it's fresh and it stays fresh after what? After 400 years since the first time it was written down on paper, it's still fresh because it's so universal that it doesn't matter whether Shakespeare put it on paper or somebody else, whoever you want, but it, it's true to, it was probably was true to Shakespeare and it, and to the same extent, it's true to us. So I think when you when you deal with dialogue that's been written by somebody else other than yourself, you just have to 
um, recognize, let's say, the common threads between the author and yourself, and how can you personalize that uh, dialogue and make it your own. There is something that we said once that really resonated with me when you said that actually when you can identify the motivation of a character mm-hmm. and kind of make it overlap with your own motivation, then it clicks to some degree. Could yeah. you, can you expand on that maybe? Yes, well, so motivation is, is the, uh, uh, the, the root of every human action, right? Like every endeavor that you uh, undertake is driven by a motive, a motivation. And I think once you tap in a character's driving force, uh, their ambitions, their dreams, their hopes, and also their fears, and that's what I mean by personalization, once you find um, uh, a direct line between the character's hopes, dreams, and fears, and your own. And when you overlap the two things, that's when you actually identify with the character and the words just flow out of you without you actually feeling cranky about it and without you feeling like you're putting on a facade or a mask, you know? And, um, well, motivation, you know, it's like, I was reading something, uh, what was it? I think it was Jordan Peterson, you know, the, (laughs) yeah, the, the clinical psychologist, the Canadian clinical psychologist and he's big on Jung and you know Nietzsche and all these like he's also a very controversial figure he's yes yes I've been dealing with that in my private life also but (laughs) uh, well one thing he says which I think it cannot be controversial at all is what he talks about how to build a future for yourself, right? The, the, how to aim at the best future that you can conceive of. And one thing he does is he kind of polarizes uh, your, um, uh, how, do you, how would you call it, your, your attention, let's say, um, between your highest hopes and your biggest fears. So in a way, what you're doing is by by articulating what your what your dreams are and what your biggest fears are, you kind of identify the route that you want to journey through in terms of where do you want to get at and where do you want to escape from. And that per se is the architecture of motivation. Like you have this kind of um, polarization, and I, I think I've been probably inadvertently or subconsciously uh, applying this method when I was building character I I looked at their let's say quote-unquote traumas <laughs> usually usually rooted in childhood and I had to explore my own childhood with my own traumas you know try to overlap that with the characters so there was no lie in there yeah and, and not at all no pretending a, nope I have traumas for five lifetimes so <laughs> Who hasn't? Exactly. Well, you see, it's universal, as I said, you know. So anyway, yeah, and you try to figure out the trauma of the character. You try to figure out their dreams so that they have a direction towards their which they're moving and a direction direction from which they're escape uh, that they're escaping from. And that uh, if you unify the two things, that's you know is capped by the word motivation. And um, 
yeah, that's it. Well, you know, one thing that I would like clarification on, and I think maybe everyone, is there is a difference between being an actor and working as an actor, namely the industry, the show business. Um, mm. How do you deal with that, having to be vulnerable, but tough, you know, tough, able to face those challenging those, those challenges at the same time? Well, I think you don't at the beginning, you know? It's like it's a learning process, and the tricky part of getting out of an acting school is that you kind of idealize the craft and the, the environment, but then you're once you're out there in the real world, you, you, you're confronted with this kind of shark tank, and you're... Uh, You know, it's a business. It's money. It's big money, especially in the United States. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in Italy, where I'm in right now, but you know, surely in the USA, it's a big industry, and there's a lot of competition, and people are not very, uh, let's say, sensitive to your own emotions and your own needs. So I, I think it's a lot of like trial and an error at the beginning you know it's like nobody prepares you for real life and that goes beyond the acting trade you know it's like it's uh it's in every aspect of life i think it's part of maturation you know in adulthood so yeah i mean it is kind of a, a, a poetic life you know the the artist's life if we want to consider acting an art form which i think it is um on many levels And what that implies is cult- the cultivation of your sensitivity, of your attention, or like listening to yourself and to your vulnerabilities and be able to expose them and, you know, kind of recollect them and deliver them to an audience or to somebody else. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's as if you have to become like a manager of yourself. So it's just, again, you kind of split into you have the person that is taking care of the actor you know mm. and they both coincide with you they both comprise you as a person as your identity so you, you got to take care of yourself you got to stay healthy you got to make sure you get enough sleep you got to make sure that you don't get hurt by comments and how you do that is by putting your attention somewhere else other than other people's um judgments judgments yeah judgments and also i don't think it, I, i don't think it's very healthy to focus on the outcome of a situation like especially sorry about that especially when you're acting um it's never good to think oh how is this showing is this how is this perceived is it good am i acting good am i doing this well like to be result oriented is the death of art So oh, yeah. the death of anything, really. Yeah, well, exactly. But uh, you know, in my specific experience of life, I mean, of course, I fell. I'm falling still into that trap of you know, especially when you when you when you're out of a job and you try to you know survive. You want to do the best job that you can possibly do, and and one of the traps is to think in terms of results. But that's a that's a kind of The trick of the devil, you know, it's like it, it allures you to think of the outcome. But one thing that you have to constantly remind yourself is that the outcome is actually going to be um, the best and even probably surprising if you focus on the process. 
Sure. So, so I think I think you know to to survive in the industry, whatever that means, you just have to focus on you surely on your craft as an actor, and then you have to just um, value yourself as a human being. You have the right. You have the right to. To, to be yourself, you have the right to do this job, and you don't have to be scared of other people's, apart from the judgment, it's just other people's way of trying to frame you into a specific identity, because of course they're trying to figure you out the same way you're trying to figure them out. So I think it, it's, yeah, it's a matter of where you put your attention, you know. So when uh, you were struggling, or because I personally struggled as an actress, so I'm assuming you struggled too. Yeah, um, while, still struggling. I mean, while you're struggling, how yeah. do you find that kind of balance between you know craft and work, but also how do you find motivation to go on every day? Mm. Well, every day you have to listen to a different kind of part of yourself. You know, it's like every day is different, so... I think having a schedule is essential, having a discipline, and whether you want it or not, you have to buy to that uh, discipline and yeah. schedule and time framing, you know. So I think that helps. And probably one thing that I've learned, um, and this, this is another book for you, it's called The War of Art by Stephen mm. Pressfield, I think it's called. You will and find he all, the, all the books in the, in the post. <laughs> I, will, I will mention them all so, so that you guys get knowledgeable about stuff. Yeah, we can, we can open an online library with all the books there. We're <laughs> going to mention about this thing. But anyway, he talks about resistance, you know, as the opposing force that kind of inhibits you um, from the pursuit of you know, your, your specific vocation or whatever that is. And, um, but he also says a very interesting thing. He says that resistance, you have to consider resistance as the North Pole um, for what concerns precisely your vocation of what you want to aim at in life. Because probably when you're afraid of, when you're afraid of doing something, that's probably where you should look into you know, um, so, so when you know. resist working out, uh, you know, doing all the actor stuff, the actor training, uh, trying to get an age and all that stuff, when you resist all of that structure, you probably, that's where you have to go deep into, you know, because that's the part that will unlock your maturation as an artist and as a person, your growth. So kind of the old principle of facing what you fear most. In order yeah, to exactly. Exactly, and that's part also of our training as actors. Yeah. You know, you remember yeah. it's like the thing that you hate the most, that you resist the most, is the thing that you probably need the most. You like know? movement work <laughs> for me, for <laughs> yeah. myself. Of course, I'm not speaking for anyone else out there. Well, for me, it was probably voice and speech. I've always been self-conscious of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but not only as like as an actor, I would say as a human being, which arguably is the same thing, mm -hmm. how how do you find motivation to get out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. We talked we, we talked a lot about, you know, nihilism and mm -hmm. uh, these kind of thoughts that come to our minds when we are, you know, hopeless and maybe looking for a job and nothing comes up, you know. How yeah. do you how do you go about that? Well, personally, there's some sense of, how would you call it, unrest, 
of restlessness, probably. A big part of that is just being still, trying to center yourself and try to listen to yourself, to your needs and to the direction that you're taking in that particular day. I think part of it for me is, uh, uh, well, I would call it restlessness, you know, when I feel kind of aimless anxiety, I try to go at the root of that and try to find out what all that energy is trying to express. And, uh, well, motivation, motivation, it's a difficult one. I mean, basically what I think you should do probably is follow your curiosity. You know, it's like the moment you, you feel like you're just, you know, Nobody forces you to become an artist. Actually, it's pretty much like the worst possible condition that you can imagine. Tell you to not do it if you can do anything else, (laughs) right? Well, exactly. Well, at the same time, though, I believe that each one of us has that component for reasons that transcend my comprehension. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that everybody has a form of expression that that belongs to them. Yeah. And that is creative, artistic, you know, whether you're in a law firm or whether you're an architect. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's bound to just uh, an elite, you know. Um, but surely, when so speaking of motivation, as we said, I was getting lost. But when you feel like um, you're doing, I, I think another book for you, Julia Cameron talked about this in the the artist's way. I think she says. When you feel like you're doing spiritual sit-ups. So it's as if when you're trudging through the same motions without any kind of involvement or investment in them. When you're just doing gym, you know, trying to... So that's when you have to wake up and be like, okay, something is amiss here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not active. I'm not engaged. But how uh, do you do this spiritual gym in practical terms? Is there anything that uh, you can suggest? Well, you know, well, you have to. I mean, my journey is my own, and I don't want to impose on anybody else. You know, if they believe in God or some form of form of transcendental figure, I mean, it's not up to me to decide for other people. But what I can say is that follow your curiosity. Follow um, the moment you feel like you're plateauing. Take a new direction. Do something different. You get out of the house, change. You know, you, you tend to probably uh, go down the same road and have the same routines. Well, mess around with that. You know, change your routines and take care of yourself. Pick one hour of the day in which you dedicate, like you dedicate that one hour to yourself, to the exclusion of whatever you know, you feel like society is imposing on you or whatever you feel like your parents want from you, you know, just dedicate it to yourself and to what you feel would nurture you as a person, physically and spiritually, you know, that could be also working out or, you know, taking a stroll in a park. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the essential thing in motivation is just observation, you know, paying attention to things. That's why I called it before, you know, the poetic life. I think our acting is some form of poetic life because you just have to be sensitive enough to observe things in detail, you know, and uh, not be clinical about them, have a point of view on them, you know, a sensual point of mm-hmm. view on them, uh, like a physical response to things. But I think, like, you know, it's, it's a matter of attention and listening and being open uh, to 
experience. I think that's where you get motivation. You know, and motivation changes all the time. You redefine it every day. If you're fucked up like I am, probably. No, oh, with that, like everybody is. I kind of think that this, <laughs> this kind of talk that we're having now is not only relevant to actors or artists, but actually everyone. Hope so. And on that, like, um, even though we've talked about some, some came up in our discussion, but is there any author or philosopher or book that are particularly meaningful to you and why? Well, hmm. again, that too changes with time, but I would say a pre-constant one is Dostoevsky for me. Mm. Uh, quite recently, I've read The Brothers Karamazov, and that was a bomb. How so? <laughs> well, it's just revolutionary in terms of it changed the way I perceive myself, people, and my relationship to reality and to you know the the life that I'm leading from a moral perspective, existential perspective, spiritual, religious perspective. I think what he does is he's incredibly. Um, sensitive and, and detailed in dissecting human human psyche mm. you know and there's something that he really understands is that we have the ability to be evil and to be good you know it's like there's no person that is just oh you know when you hear oh that's a nice person oh fuck <laughs> that that's he's not a nice person that's what probably he decides to present you know out there in the world Yes, fact, of course. Who no. likes nice guys? <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> just kidding. Obviously, just kidding. Be, be nice. <laughs> no, but well, that's my point exactly. You don't have to be nice. I think one thing you have to do, and that this kind of connects to you too. What you have to do is recognize your capability for mm -hmm. evil, your shadow, let's call it, and then decide consciously decide to aim at the highest good that you can possibly conceive of. Like that's when you that's when you can say that somebody is good when you look at what they're aiming at you know what they're look when you when you look at what their intention is uh, how they behave in the world while they're conscious of the evils that they they could do you know Absolutely. so so I think that's 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 what I kind of got from reading Dostoevsky and he does a tremendous job at kind of articulating that inner let's say, civil war, you know, that we all have within us. And would you say, is there any play that you worked on or movie or, you know, any work that you've done that resonates with you in particular that you liked doing and, and why? Well, that I did know, but I remember even from our times in school, I think Streetcar Named Desire, that mm. was a big one precisely because it dealt with archetypes that were so... Um, well-defined and, and had to do with survival, like the basic human instinct for survival. You know, it's like the four characters. There's Stanley, Stella, Blanche, and the other guy who I always forget his name, but he's there. And, you know, it's like they all have pretty gutsy or pretty instinctual um, motivations to act and behave in their specific world. You know, it's like Stanley wants to be the king of his house while Blanche is looking for a safe place, while Stella is trying to negotiate between the two worlds, the two extremes. You know, it's like, so 
it doesn't require a lot of intellectual dissertations to get the motivations of the characters within your body. That's what I love the most about that play. So and, what is your instinct? What is that you are looking for? Well, I think at this specific moment in time, my motivation is precisely what I said to you before about Dostoevsky. You know, <laughs> like I'm trying to recognize all my faults and by doing so, I'm trying to formulate a future in which I like, envision a future in which I'm uh, I can transcend all these kind of petty uh, all all these petty behaviors that I have and become a better version of myself. Not only for myself, it's not like a self-indulgent endeavor. <laughs> it's you know, it's like it is of course for myself, but I think it would echo in my immediate environment, in my house, my family, my friendships, you know, my job, probably, hopefully. And, you know, I, I think we all have something to offer. We just have to spot that and kind of nurture that. So my motivation is just being, you know, my best version. Um, as an actor and, you know, as Gianluigi, really, is there any actor or contemporary artist or writer that really inspires you and why? Well, I always valued, in terms of acting, I always valued actors that, um, wouldn't confine themselves, wouldn't define themselves only as actors, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like uh, actors that would prioritize their humanity instead of their craft. So I think uh, one of like the big controversial characters is probably Marlon Brando. I think he's mm -hmm. like the, you know, the apex of the like acting achievements. But at the same time, he was a very controversial character for different reasons, but what he did is he never considered acting his main um, identification. You know, it's like, that's not his identity as a human being. Like, he, he was a person first, then an actor. But I think, to me personally, um, somebody that did a better job at being a human being was probably Heath Ledger, even though he died super young. Yeah. You know, he was only, I think he was 28 or 29, he was my age when he passed. Wow. Which is, yeah, which is crazy. But I think here's another actor that, I mean, his job was just a repercussion of who he was as a human being. And the, the, the cool thing about acting is that you can actually, you cannot hide from, you know, when you're on stage or in front of a camera, you cannot hide who you truly are. And when you do, that's when people say, you know, oh, you're good at lying because it, it comes off as a lie. Mm -hmm. But when you do a good job as an actor, it's impossible to conceal whether you're, you know, a shitty human being or whether you're actually aiming at being better than who you are right now. Or when you have good intentions, let's put it that way. And I think Heath Ledger incarnated that precisely. He was, I didn't, of course, I don't know him, never knew him, but from what I, the work I saw, he was, in which he was very vulnerable. I could see the human being that he was and, and, that probably sparked also my interest in acting when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I was like, okay, this guy is bigger than life, you know? And I want to be that, like, I would want to aim at that in my life. I don't want to stay enclosed within my skin, you know? Yeah, but, no? you know, allegedly, uh, it's not clear really, but allegedly Heath Ledger killed himself. So how do you, 
you know, my question is how do you get vulnerable, but at the same time, not at the same time, you don't go to that dark place that really mess you up. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you, I mean, we don't know whether he killed himself or whether, you know, it could be, could have been many things. Um, but what I can say is that I cannot define him as a person just because of one specific moment in his life. Definitely. You know, it's like I'm looking at his entire spectrum, his entire trajectory as a human being, and I cannot, uh, I cannot, um, how do you say, undervalue his achievements just because of his end point, which is, you know, allegedly could have been suicide, maybe not, but I cannot define him because of his addiction to whatever it was. You know, I'm looking at the entire arc of his life and that's what inspires me. But, uh, you know, I think, I, I know nothing about him, but what I can say about myself is that <sighs> probably as artists, we specifically have to have a, bigger capacity for good than other people. Not because we are only us, we're capable of that, but precisely because it's so difficult to capitalize on art and you can get resentful pretty fast um, towards yourself, towards other people, towards life, you know, in general. So I think us, we have to work on the goodness yeah. and, and, um, yeah, that's it. That, that, that's how you nurture your vulnerability. You know, it's like when you don't let other people or what do you think other people are doing to you, when you don't let that pass to your skin, you know, you, you don't have to, you have to filter people's judgments. You have to understand who, who you can trust and who you can, who you cannot trust, you know, otherwise if, if the doors are open to everybody, you have no criteria, um, that you can apply to lead your life, you know? Uh, this conversation that we're having right now, you know, how do you think it's relevant today for anyone, really, for anyone who, who tunes in with the podcast, for, it, for each member of the public? How do you think it's relevant in today's world? Yeah, well, I think, I think, I think, that's my opinion. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I think one of the problems with our moment in time is that people are, can get so cynical about life and take things for granted. Um, there's a kind of, I don't want to call it apathy because it's not apathy, but there's like a patina, a patina of, yeah, cynicism, probably. What I've learned by leading or aiming at leading some kind of artistic life is to actually care for things. And before having an opinion about something, before judging something, mm -hmm. to be open to receive what something is telling me, you know? Yeah. It's like, I think, I think we're very opinionated. And that's, that's, you know, that's where the controversy starts with uh, Jordan Peterson, as we said before. You know, he, he's not very pleased with ideologues you know with ideologies and i knew nothing about it before you know i i never thought about it in those terms before listening to jordan peterson but i have to say that i agree with that because i see it playing out in my life and people around me you know when, when people hold these kind of set rigid ideas about life which by the way are 
pretty much always misinformed. I, I think what you're doing is building a wall that kind of um, you're cutting you're, you're cutting relationships when you have these set ideas and a part of the artistic life is not to have opinions, you know, not to build those walls, not to, to cut down relationships to, Oh, I believe this and you believe that. Well, as an artist, if you're aiming at being an artist, you have to have the, the ability, the flexibility to believe in everything. You have to, you have to have compassion for a mass murder the same way you have compassion for the, fucking Pope or, you know, Dalai Lama. So that kind of flexibility allows us to build relationships that are actually constructive and not destructive. Absolutely. I think one, one thing that the audience probably can come away with uh, is precisely this, you know, the ability to put yourself in other people's shoes, even by, you know, some kind of exercise, like imaginative exercise, but I, th I think I deeply think that imagination is there for a reason. You know, it's like it expresses itself through images and symbols. But what it like at the core, it's just. I think Declan Donnellan said this. Another book for you, another the actor. He's also an amazing director. In case you check his work. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wrote a book that is called The Actor and the Target, and he's he defines imagination thus. He says, imagination is the ability to see things for what they really are. And I think one of the mistakes that we as people do often is to see things not for what they are, but for what it's convenient for us, mm. for them to be, you know? Yeah. So I think people should include imagination in their lives a little more, if not way more. Oh, I have a lot of reality then going on. <laughs> 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 I imagine all sorts of things, you guys. <laughs> anyway. You're enlightened. <laughs> I think that one of the most significant things that we learned in drama school is actually what is giving name to the podcast. Because every time we were going to Adler Technique, you know, that the class that Ron Burrs used to teach, um, mm. he, made us, um, he made us say, um, he, he asked us, what did you learn today and what have you noticed? And I think that that was very valuable to me because it, it made me be more aware of the reality around me, more present and eventually better as a human being. So today, uh, like in those days, I ask you, Gianluigi, what did you learn specifically today and what have you noticed? Well, okay, there's one thing that I've learned that I cannot say because it's too personal. And probably Come on, now that you said it, everyone wants to know now. Well, well, I think one thing that I truly learned, not intellectually, but kind of, you know, it's, you know, when you actually feel it in your body. That's the best in your learning, bones. I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's the best version of learning. I learned that what we talked about before. Being nice is not a good thing that you should aim at. It's not about being nice. It's about aiming at, aiming at good. And it's, yeah, it's not convenient for you if you want to live a good life to be a pushover and be like a, kind of a yes man just to please other people all the time. Because, yeah, you're going to find yourself in a crappy, resentful situation. I'm actually very so, attracted to complicated people in general, so... 
<laughs> I like that uh, statement. How's that working out for you? <laughs> it worked out wonderfully. <laughs> for more questions, um, message me in direct, you guys. <laughs> and what did you notice? What did I notice? Hmm. What did I notice? Well, today I went out. It was pretty damp and rainy. And I was walking down the street. And at a certain point, I noticed a tree. Like there was this kind of, there was the wind blowing through the, the branches of a tree and it carried away the dead leaves. And I don't know why, but it, I found that moment very beautiful. Wow, okay. <laughs> it sounds all very romantic, but it wasn't. It was just a moment of, ah, I'm present right now. You know? Well, as homework, when we were in drama school, we indeed, we had one hour in nature. <laughs> we were... Did we? Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't you, don't you uh, remember? <laughs> Our teachers... Bad students. Yeah, used to say to us that uh, every week we should dedicate one hour to going to nature and just, you know, mm -hmm. be in nature, be present in nature. And I, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the times I did it, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it plants your feet down into the ground you know you feel exactly like a tree you feel rooted and you feel present and uh that's a good place to be if you want to lead your life you know you cannot be in the past you cannot live in the future you can only be here in the now oh sorry about that um, so i know that it, this might be you know a tricky question because it might be a secret or you can't give details about this stuff quite yet mm. but what is coming next for you? Is there anything that you're working on at the moment that is exciting you and that we should be looking forward to? Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on whether these, you know how these things are, you know, a project can start, can be suspended for God knows how long and then, you know, but at the moment I'm working on a script for a production mm. and yeah, we're writing a film and, um, Another thing is, oh yeah, well, I'm waiting on a series. You know, with all this COVID situation, we don't know when productions are going to reopen and filming is going to, you know, start again. But I'm waiting on a, on a script for a new four-episode series about the year 2000. Well, everything sounds really exciting anyways. And I especially want to thank you for joining us today, Gianluigi. No, thank you. Really, it was really inspiring and illuminating uh, what we talked about, I think. And please, you guys, make sure to follow Gialluigi on Instagram to be updated on his career and his wonderful projects. Uh, and also, you will find all the information about what we've talked about in the post, because I think they're really relevant and you should read those books for your own knowledge. I, yeah. And also, please, please uh, keep supporting Today I Learned uh, by following us and leave a comment and let me know if you like this topic of there, of, or if there is any other topic that you would like featured on this podcast. Um, feel free to message me in direct or any other way. I'm looking for your feedback, so please leave it to me. That's all we have today. Thank you so much for listening to Today I Learned. And we really hope to have you next time. Ciao, ciao for now.